Hi, everyone. I'm Michelle Maldonado, and I'm so glad to be back with you for session two. With session one, we explored making body maps. We created some foundations for us to develop the muscle of our self-awareness as we move it through context and help us navigate much more skillfully our ecosystems. We want to build upon that here in session two to continue the conversation about what's happening in the body. As leaders, you know, we, we experience so many things. We have so many things on our plate, so many people we are trying to tend to, and cultivating the conditions for us all to thrive and flourish. So there's a lot for us to be aware of to help us show up more powerfully and with fuller presence. So we're going to talk about the autonomic nervous system right now, because this is something that maybe you are aware of some pieces, but not so much others. And I want to talk about it because it's so important when we think about how do we connect it to the breath and how does that together help cultivate our self-awareness and the quality and impact of our presence. So let's get started. The autonomic nervous system is the part of the nervous system that uh, is responsible for our involuntary functions in the body. Think about heartbeat, muscle contractions, breathing, digestion. I don't know about any of you, but if I had to remember to do any of those things, I'd be in a lot of trouble. But, but there are some really important parts or components of the autonomic nervous system. And I bet most of you have heard about them, if not by name, probably by function. Now, the first part that I want to share with you is the sympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system helps to mobilize our body's fight or flight responses in times of perceived stress. Now, think about this, you know, whether it's somebody cutting us off in line or somebody sending us an email or saying something in a meeting, we tend to perceive those things in a certain kind of way. And the way that we interpret, perceive, and respond has a lot to do with our sort of our life experiences and the conditions in the moment the ecosystems, the context. So if you think about the um, sympathetic nervous system, you can think about that as sort of the fight or flight. Now, the companion to that is the parasympathetic nervous system. This is the part of the nervous system that really helps to activate the body's rest and digest functions. And so it's not to say that we call on that to all of a sudden be calm and not and passive and not active, but it is the part of the body that helps us to be able to bring in clarity. And it's in that those moments of rest and clarity that we can help show up more skillfully when we are in sympathetic response or sympathetic states. So if you think about sympathetic as fight or flight, and you think about parasympathetic, as rest and digest. These two work together to help keep the body in healthy states of regulation. Now there is one more piece that's important for us as we think about how do we navigate and support ourselves as leaders. And that is something called the vagus nerve. Now, even though it's called a nerve as if it's a single thing, it's actually a bundle of nerves. And the word vagus comes from the Greek word that means wandering. So if you imagine having a, a bundle of nerves that travel down the front of the body and the back of the body, starting at the base of the skull, going through the, the vocal cords and traveling down to the colon. 
as it does that, it weaves through and it touches, it wanders through and touches many important organs. So it's often thought of as the nerve that creates the mind-body connection. But as it does that, it also allows us to be able to generate better states of clarity and calm. Now, you notice we worked in the first session, we did a moment to arrive, we did a body scan, and all of it included us using the breath. Well, here's the secret that's not so secret. The breath helps us activate the parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve. Some of you may have heard the term vagal tone. And what all of this does together, the vagus nerve and the parasympathetic nervous system work together. And when we breathe, just slowing down the breath, we activate the parasympathetic nervous system. If we slowly bring down the rate of breathing and we extend the exhale to be longer than the inhale, that activates the vagus nerve. So we can use the breath to help support us in any moment. Now this helps us because if we think about again, the sympathetic nervous system as fight or flight, the parasympathetic as rest and digest, and the vagus nerve is the tend and befriend. How do we bring it all together and help us be in healthy states of regulation? This is the superpower, relying on the breath to help activate these things that are in the body because when we do that, it helps to sharpen that data that we, that we uh, receive from the body map. So in healthy states of regulation, our sympathetic nervous system, for example, may be activated, our resources get mobilized, we, we deal with the issue. And then if in healthy states, we naturally flow back into a parasympathetic response to even out. So you see that there's this nice undulating flow. That's in a perfect world, in a perfect state. But oftentimes, we actually are operating in states of dysregulation. So think about it. When we are uh, living in times that are very uncertain, uh, there is lots of conflict and divide, we are feeling exhausted, many. We are feeling depleted. We're feeling confused. We're not sure which way to move forward. And as leaders, it makes the leadership landscape very difficult to navigate. So sometimes what we find is that we are staying longer in states of dysregulation and so that we are either turning off and we are completely in parasympathetic response and we're not active or we're in hyper states of arousal and we're staying in sympathetic responses or we're jagged we're just not able to find an equilibrium and that is something that is important for us to know so that we are creating our body maps and we can use the breath to help bring in resources to support ourselves as leaders and in other places in life in the very moment so that we can be fully present with whomever we are with or whatever we are with. All right. Now, all of that is incredibly important. But here's something that I would be remiss if we didn't talk about. We've talked about all these things in the body, but there are other instances, other experiences that also sit in the body. They are different traumas that show up and they usually come when a crucible happens. And a crucible, you can see here, is a kind of a severe trial or experience that leads to creation of something new. Now, a crucible sounds really beautiful. That is the, the ultimate beautiful spin on it. But crucibles typically include trauma. But crucibles are important for leadership 
because it is one of the breakthrough moments. They are opportunities for breakthrough moments and learning. And they often happen when we least expect them and they reveal our character. They test our character as leaders, as humans. And if we embrace them properly, we can begin to leverage the tools and practices from our body maps, from our breath, from our self-awareness and the framework of emotional intelligence that we talked about in session one to help us create them and meet them as opportunities for learning and for growth. They, they always, if we allow them to, allow us to help expand our self-awareness and allow us to go in and be reflective and introspective. And as we do all of that, it begins to lead and inform what our next leadership point is, our evolution. And it gives us an opportunity to look back and draw strength going forward. Now, when we have these crucibles, they can be traumatic. They're experiences that when they're on process, they get stored in the body. We know this from lots of work. My Grandmother's Hands by Resma Manikam is a really great example of the work that we know is being done to discover and reveal how trauma sits in the body. It is not just individual, it's collective. It's not just one generation, it can be intergenerational. In fact, there is this thought, this theory that the seven generations before us impact us and we impact the seven generations after us. So imagine that these crucibles that happen in leadership in life, that all of us are bringing inside our places of work because we hold them in our bodies. So we have to understand that this stuff is social and intergenerational, and it naturally influences and impacts the quality of our presence. So body maps that we learned in session one become such a valuable tool for us as we lean into processing and showing up. Now, we need resources, right? So mindfulness can help, but sometimes we need resources outside of ourselves. And that is something we have to always keep in mind as well. Now, one of the things that's really important for us is the compassion lens, the self-compassion, compassion towards others. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But for this point, I just want to wrap this by saying that as leaders, we have to understand those pieces. We need to understand the more we understand how the body works and the mind works, we can begin to embrace the totality of who we are as we move from crucible to trauma through it into opportunities for post-traumatic growth. And in post-traumatic growth, we begin to reframe. We accept what happened, not because we think it was right or fair, but we accept it as having happened and we move into finding meaning and resolution. So these things help us to be able to process what can coexist at the same time. Post-traumatic growth can be happening simultaneously while we're processing trauma or post-traumatic stress. And a lot of times we think about these, these, these words, this terminology in really extreme situations, like people who have been to war, people who have uh, survived assault. But remember that trauma is not just something that happens on a large scale, but the way I interpret and receive and experience something and label it traumatic may be very different from yours. And so we have multiple layers. And so we have to remember that as we process through. And it allows us to really activate our capacity for resilience. 
our capacity to reflect, to grow, and to truly shift perspectives as we sort of work through a continuum through crucibles, through understanding the body and the impact and trauma. And as a result, we move to the other side and we fully experience post-traumatic growth, we start to have a new appreciation, a new commitment to our values, or maybe we've even helped, it's helped to clarify our values and then leading to our connection with others. So in this piece, I invite you to take a few moments at the end of this session to reflect on what your crucibles might be as a leader and what are the areas and opportunities for further processing and beginning to create a body map around that with either internal or external supports because all of this is not easy. I always say to people, it's simple, but not easy. So remember that in any of this work or in any of these sessions, if you find that you're needing some supports outside of yourself, please seek them out. Because this is how we all stitch together the fabric of not just our lives, but the interconnected and interdependent ways of being with one another. So I thank you for, for joining me for this session too. I look forward to seeing you in session three, where we're going to look at something that I call paradox, prediction, and perception. Now that we've kind of rounded up what's happening in the body and how they can impact what we do as leaders and the tools and practices we can use to support ourselves, there is a corollary of something that's happening simultaneously in the brain. So I look forward to seeing you then. Until then, I wish you well and good practice.